Hey, y'all. Pete Cosman here with the Heart Centered Selling Academy podcast. This is part two. As you know me, I usually end up having to start twice. But anyway, I'm here with one of my dear friends that has met recently here in Scottsdale, Arizona. She's Dr. Donna Marie Cozine, and she is, works with female educational leaders. So we're going to talk to her about her business, who she serves, how she does that, and possibly some needs that she has for her business. DMC, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Pete. I'm very excited to be with you and your and your followers. Yes, and so we met at a, a clients and community of me, or I guess it's our coaching group of how to really uh, have more of an impact in our business, and just happened to sit together or sit next to each other and got to know each other a little bit better. And now she's in uh, my group, the Heart Centered uh, Selling Academy, and so I think that's really important working with female educational leaders because it's so that impacts so many so many generations beyond even ours, right? The education that, that is passed on, the types of information that we we tell people and and how we form their thoughts and their thinking. So so tell me what your passion is behind working with these people. Yeah. So let me start by telling you why I do it. Um I had founded a charter school of the arts um, of my own from, it was a K-6 school and um, my children attended the school and I convinced my husband it was a great idea and I have an amazing <laughs> husband. And one day when I was at the table with my face in my computer, type, type, typing, he said, we didn't sign up for this. And I was like, we didn't sign up for what? This credit card? Like I didn't know what he was talking about. He said, no, the kids and I didn't sign up for this. We didn't sign up for you not being present your, your face is in the computer all the time. You're not available to us. You leave for work, you come home and then you, you're just absent. And I thought, whoa, it was a proverbial slap upside my head because, you know, my husband is my world and my children are my life. So um, I thought, okay, well, he just called me out. I need to make some changes. And I made some changes. And a few weeks later, I was get home and I was present and everything was great. And then I would go to bed with my computer and I would start all over again. And my husband said, babe, you've made some progress. You're more present for the kids, but now you're don't have time for me. So I was like, okay. And that story is the story for most women in leadership. You know, we all feel like we can't give a hundred percent. We can't give everything to everybody. Right. So either we're giving it all at work and our families aren't getting it all, or we're giving it all to our families and our, our work's not getting all, or that's how we perceive it. And our reality is very different from that of our, our male counterparts, to be honest with you. You know, we often go home to a second full-time job, whether it's parenting our children or maintaining our, our homes, or even older women who are helping out their their elderly parents. So it's a really great opportunity for me to help leaders, female leaders realize you don't have to, first of all, you can't do it all. And there are ways to really change your work style and practices so that the people who deserve the best of you are getting it. Because the people who deserve the best of me were just the rest of me. So now I work with female educational leaders um, and sometimes their teams, and I'm just enjoying the work so, so very much. Are you finding that these, these uh, women, as they go through your training, are actually getting more done by doing less and being more prioritized on the important parts of their life? Absolutely. Absolutely true. And, um, you know, it's funny because 
you know, I can work with anyone. Pete and I were just talking about this before. Like I can work with any educator. I can work with any leader, but I choose to work with female educational leaders because in our conversations, we can, in these affinity groups, we can have real true conversations. So today I had my coaching group and um, one of my women that I'm currently coaching said that she was sharing with her husband that she created this action plan. And she said to her husband, and by the way, you're part of the action plan. He was like, I am. She said, yeah, I have to pick a date night to have with you once a week. And Donna Marie is going to check with me. And um, today she was checking in with me and she was out of town. And I said, wait a minute, is your husband with you? Did you make it into a date night? And she said, we did. He just left. So, you know, the, the ability for us to have those conversations, because our marriages are very important. Our parenting or grandparenting is extremely important. And what's happening is you're absolutely right. It's prioritizing its boundaries and it's not feeling like we can delegate. So those tend to be the big, big rocks that I move um, or help women move in my work with them. I, so I totally get that because I'm so passionate about everything that I do. Um, I realized about a month ago that I was completely ignoring my husband. So I did that. I, I established a date night. And what was so funny to me was how, important that was to him and he hadn't told me that and how he'll like he's he's very logical so he's very much like more of the 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 male brain i'm probably a little more of the female brain <laughs> so he's very much like okay this is what we'll do and he's all like you know organizing it it's it just interesting watching that kind of blossom and and also watching the the extra like layer to our relationship it started and also the the relief it gave my brain from being able to turn off from having to produce, right? Yeah, it it really changes everything because when you can invest in the relationships that you absolutely love, it just changes your mindset. It changes your, what my friend Karen Laurie says, your heart set, you know, just the whole feeling of being calm and present and aligned. And I, and I think that the stress of leadership and the fact that we feel as women that we're pulled in these two directions constantly is what makes us have difficulties in our marriage, in our work with our children. You know, we miss another recital or we miss another band concert or something like that. And it just weighs on us very heavily because we feel as women, we have to be able to do it all. And, you know, Sometimes I was I was presenting recently to a group of superintendents and one of the men was man was saying, when I interviewed for my superintendency, I told them I have a young family. Don't expect me to be available after seven at night. And I said, well, good for you. But I can tell you as a woman and I've been in this field for 29 years, almost 30 years, I would never say that as a woman. He said, why? And I thought, well, number one, it's hard enough to get the job as a woman. And number two, I don't want them now to see me as, oh, I'm hiring a woman who has a family and now her family is going to come first. Like things that men can say in our industry, women cannot because we have, we still have in our society because we're human beings, these um, implicit biases against women, you know, different uh, non, you know, non-white people or the LGBT. BTQ community, we have these implicit biases and they don't, people don't even realize that they're thinking these things and they just happen. Yeah. Have you seen that famous meme that shows like a dad working or doing something with their child and saying, and then it shows a mom doing something with the child and like, these are the same thing. You know, it's not right. the, it's not the dad being extra special. It's the dad doing his job. 
Right. right. I remember saying to me, oh, I have to babysit my kids. It was a man. I said, you mean parent? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. right. Parenting. Yeah, so, but it's, they're, they're just different sets of rules, unfortunately. Right. So as as a female educational leader, does does this this person, do they sit down and like write out a priority list from like from top to bottom or or how does this work? Yeah. So you want, um, you want me to give away all my secrets, Pete. No, Ooh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh-oh. Open the lid. <laughs> yeah. So um, actually a lot of it is based on the first book that I wrote, which is, so you want to be a superintendent, become the leader that you're meant to be. And I knew I was leaving as the superintendent of my organization. So I wrote a book and I thought about what has helped me, right? What, how did I create this life that I love and that I always desired? So I put it down in this book and I created a system called the driver system for leadership development. So I take women through the system through, um, you know, they have a self-paced curriculum and then each week we meet and we talk about things that um, were in the curriculum that week or things that came up the previous week. For example, today we were talking about delegating and how what isn't monitored isn't done and how you need to monitor your people but not micromanage them and we talked about situations that women were in and I shared some some tools and resources that I've used that now they are going to use to make things uh, easier for them but really you know you hit it on the head because you know we always say women will say there's just not enough time in the day. But the truth is we all have the same number of hours as I always use um, the Joanna Gaines. Like I've got the same number of hours as her, but how does she do it all? Right. And it, it comes down to priorities and using your resources. And sometimes your resources are people, people within your organization. And I truly believe that the most important job of a leader is to grow more leaders so if you're doing everything and you're not growing people in your team, you're not doing your job as a leader, making your life a lot more difficult. Mm. So it's about really letting things go and learning how to delegate and being okay with the with the outcome of those things. Is that part of it? That's part of it, being okay with it, as long as you're, you're monitoring it along the way, right? It's just something, you don't just give something to someone and say, have at it, and you don't monitor it, you still need to make sure it's happening. So what I teach is, it's similar to what we teach, how we teach children in a classroom. It's like a gradual release of responsibility. For instance, um, I have a, a team member, Paige, you met her, she's amazing, and we're rolling her into um, client success specialist. So I'm doing a gradual release of responsibility. I'm sending the emails out that I've always sent, but now she'll know that she's the next one to send these things so that she can see how I do it before she takes it over. And then she'll copy me when she does it the first couple of times. So I could see it. So it's, it's like hand over hand, and then you kind of let go and just monitor it and make sure that things are being done the way that is okay with you. It might not be the exact same way that you've done it, but as long as the quality is where you want the quality to be, then then you have to just accept that it's okay. And so how, as a female leader, <clears throat> are you able to in or, or embody that? Because I think that's probably really hard for a lot of women who feel like they're supposed to be in charge of everything. And if anything falls, the plate falls, it's their fault. So how, I mean, because it has to be a mindset, right? It's yeah, you're right. It is a bit of a mindset, but it's also knowing that you can't control everything. Mm -hmm. And that's hard for a lot of us in leadership because we become leaders because we are type A personalities, right? I want to do this and do this and we want to get things. I say that I get a lot of shit done. We get shit done, right? But um, the thing is, you're not, you're giving it to somebody else for them to do it. 
but you, you just, they're not raising your child for you, right? You're still going to check in on it. You're still going to make sure that it's being done properly. Um, and it's also knowing that it does come back on you that if it do- isn't done well. So it's also about holding people accountable, which men or women, it doesn't matter. We don't like having those tough conversations. We don't like to, you know, if you were my uh, assistant principal, I don't have to go to you and say to you, Pete, it's three weeks. So you still haven't done this thing that I've asked you to do. Right. So I teach techniques and um, I have resources that by using them, you don't have to be the nagger. It's just here it is on black and white. We said we were going to do it. This is the date. You haven't done it. Now what? What's the reason? And you hold people accountable to that. Um, And the accountability piece is huge because if you don't hold people accountable, then you're just as guilty about something not being done to the the level of quality that you want it to be uh, completed. Hmm. So, okay, let's, so now we have a situation where this, this leader, uh, she's faced with a decision, right? Like you said, that the child going to the recital or a work emergency or whatever it might be. So what is the thought process or what is, or how does she make the decision of which one gets her time and how much time? Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that question. And it really is um, a very individual thing. Right. So for instance, I'll use myself as an example. I committed to my husband that I was not going to do work at home. Now, were there times I had to? Yes. And what I would say to him is, babe, I need one hour on Sunday. Is that okay with you? And he'd say, sure, no problem. I'll take the kids to the park. It wasn't a problem because all the other days I was respecting that I was not going to bring work home. Or um, I got a phone call that that the building had been broken into. And I was like, I know it's Sunday dinner, but I got to run over to the building. Of course you do. Of course. Right. So it's about being true to your priorities and knowing that there are certain things that have to trump it. So trump those priorities. So for me, it was always, even in the building, if I was in the middle of something, if, if it involved the police, the fire department, or an ambulance, I have to drop everything I'm doing and go deal with that, right? And it's kind of the same thing. You have to figure out what is it. But the problem is, Pete, when leaders, we tend to want to be involved in everything. Hmm. So when that happens, we become micromanagers or we're not getting our own work done because we want to be involved in everything. So what we have to do is grow our teams so that we're calibrated And I know if Pete, you're my assistant principal, I know really well how you're going to handle a situation because we've walked through it a couple of times and I have to have confidence in that. And if you need me, you'll call me. You'll be like, DMC, could you come down? I have an irate parent. Sure. No problem. But I'm not going down all the time. So, you know, it, it is about figuring out your priorities and also scheduling your priorities. One of the things that I, um, tell women to do is if you're saying your family is a priority and date night is a priority, you put it on your calendar. You know, you're not going to miss a doctor's appointment. You won't miss an appointment to have dinner with your spouse or your partner. You know, if you have um, a school trip that you want to go with your child on a school trip, put it on your calendar, block the timeout. So people know, oh, Donna Marie's not going to be in the office. She's on this field trip. So it's really about, it's not about just saying that the things are your priorities but planning your priorities as well, right? Because what do they say? What you what you say is one thing, but what you do is what you truly mean. I don't know. There's some famous quote for that that I don't know what it is. But you know what you what you do speaks louder than what you say. Mm. 
I love it. And and you uh, mentioned it. it was something I was going to ask you. Is there a moment where you do like this role playing with the team members so that everybody already has that mindset of what happens in these moments? So you don't have to like build the engine as you're driving. <laughs> well, that's really great. Um, when I was a lead, led my organizations, we always did a lot of calibrating. You know, what would happen if, you know, this happens or let's walk through our procedures. So we would have procedures and policies for things. But if something happened that we weren't aware of, then we would sit down and we'd say, let's talk about what just happened. How could we have dealt with it differently? Is there something we could have done to, um, you know, stop this from happening in the, in, in the future? And there are times when the answer is yes, we could have done things differently. And there are times when it was like, no, this was just a freak thing. And I'll give you an example of a freak thing. There was a parent who was really angry with my director of intermediate education, and I heard her getting very angry. And I'm the type of leader where I intervened and I was like, it, this is not Mrs. Simpson's decision. This is my decision. And later in that day, I was leaving the building with my daughter who was in the second grade and we were holding hands and this woman tried to run us over mm. and yelled uh, out her window and, you know, and there were people there and they saw it and it's situation like that. Like when we sat down, we went back over it. We're like, there's nothing we could have done differently. She was just crazy. Right. You know, fortunately no one was hurt and all of those things. But when something happens, like an irate parent comes to the building, why is that parent coming to the building? Well, their child was suspended and no one called them. Okay. Well then that there was a mistake there. We need to do better. We need to figure out what it is. And the two biggest skills I think leaders should have, and I guess they're not really skills, they're more like character strengths, are um, grace, to give grace and practice forgiveness, because we are all perfectly imperfect. And we're going to make mistakes. The parents we serve are going to make mistakes. The, the leaders with whom we work are going to make mistakes. But we use those as opportunities to be better and not as opportunities to beat people up. Because if I make a mistake, I already know I made that mistake. I don't need Pete to tell me, you know what? You're the reason the parent got out of control is because you got out of control, right? I want to know, you know what, Donna Marie, you made a mistake. You got loud with that parent. How are we going to handle this in the future? Like, I know I did wrong. So let's just talk about how to make sure it doesn't happen again. Hmm. Now, so we're, we're talking probably about a lot of people that are working in um, some type of you know city, state, county, whatever uh, educational system where it's government led, which means that there's going to be people that you're working for, perhaps working with, or that are underneath you that you may not be able to do anything about that are simply incompetent. So how does that female leader handle incompetence when she may not have full ability to you know, discipline or whatever? somebody there because you know we know how government structures are right <laughs> i think you always have the opportunity to if the person is works under you you always have the opportunity to address it it's when excuse me it's when you're hired by somebody who's incompetent which is the bigger <laughs> problem which is when and these are conversations I'm, i have with women all the time it's it's okay to move on right if you're in a situation where you're working for someone who is incompetent or is not supporting you. You don't owe them anything staying there. You can, you know, I say you can take your, your bag of tricks and go home. You're highly qualified. You don't need to stay there. But really it comes back to what I was talking about a little bit before, which is monitoring and holding people accountable. So if you notice, Pete, you, you know, you're my assistant principal again, and you're not doing the things you say you're doing, then I need to address that. 
I need to put you on an improvement plan. I need to sit down with you. I need to make it official. And if there's no improvement, then I need to do what I need to do. The problem is in education, people very rarely get let go. You know, it's almost in some large districts, it's almost the dance of the lemons, right? If I can get, if I could just get this kid, this person, not kid, this teacher out of my school, he'll go to another school as long as he's not here. The problem is if he's not here and he's somewhere else, he's doing the same terrible things, not terrible, but like incompetent things in another place. So it's really about, again, holding people accountable, um, really being, um, thoughtful about how you're going to support people and you should always support them first. You know, you don't drop the hammer, you support first. And then, you know, when necessary, then have those conversations that you need to have. Mm. Now I'm, I'm knowing right now that somebody's out there listening and they are a female educational leader and they're thinking, my gosh, somebody sees me, understands me, and maybe they can hold my hand through some of these things when I have to, I have to be the one that's always like in charge. So tell me, talk to me about how people find you, how you work with them, what that looks like, what the structure is, and maybe part of the journey that you take them on. Yeah. Thanks so much for asking. So, you know, first of all, I have a Facebook group, which is absolutely free. And, and, um, I, man, I give away so much great content and I do lives every week based on um, what the people in the group are interested in. And we have 2,200 female educational leaders in that group. So it's a really great place also to network. And I just recently rebranded it. So let's see if I can remember the name. It's called uh, Female Educational Leaders Mastering Work-Life Balance. So you could always join that group. Um, basically what I do is I listen. I, I first will a woman will ask for a, uh, a consultation. So you can find me on social media or through my website, which is DMC, I'm sorry, consultdmc.com or my email, which is dmc at consultdmc.com. And the first step is really just talking um, and finding out what are, what are their challenges? Because I, I don't work with everyone and not everybody wants to work with me, right? If, if somebody's challenges are not in line with what I'm working with women on right now, then maybe I can refer them to someone else. And sometimes women just want to, you know, hear the type of things that I offer. So um, I do work with women in a cohort coaching uh, process or, you know, um, where we are together as a group uh, involved in that are also some one-on-ones with me for um, goal setting and action planning. And it's just really an amazing experience, it's 10 weeks, sometimes 12. And then if they want to continue working with me after I do have a second program for women who've been through the first driver's program method. Gosh, that must be such a breath of fresh air, I can imagine, for these these women that are in these powerful positions and really probably have a lot of passion you know, behind why they're actually doing it. So that's, yay. I'm so glad that you're out there helping that, right? Um do you have any final words for uh, anybody that's listening about um, really anything on your mind? If you want to speak specifically to female educational leaders or everybody in general, or yeah, thank you so much for um, asking that question. And you know, something that I've I'm just going to talk about it because I did it this morning. I've been reading a book that was recommended at our um, workshop that we were in by Dr. Demartini. And I've always known about the power of being grateful. Um, 
but really when you're truly grateful and you wake up your morning, wake up and start your day with gratitude and end your day with gratitude, it just makes a huge difference when we can see even obstacles as opportunities and to say, you know what, even though that child, you know, cursed me out today, I'm really grateful for him because he taught me whatever it is. And I just think that if we all as human beings would focus more on being grateful, things really would change. And I say to people when I meet with them and we talk, I say, if you're going to look to find something wrong, you're going to find it because there is no perfection. But if instead you look for the things that are right, you can see that they far outweigh the things that are wrong. And I think that just that little shift of focusing on the positive today, I was talking to somebody who said that they've decided that they don't want to be a principal anymore. And it was heartbreaking. And I said, why is that heartbreaking? And she said, because I worked so hard to be a principal. And I said, and you were for six years and now you're done and you're going to move on to something else. And what a great opportunity, you know, like there are great opportunities that come from things that don't work out the way that we think they're supposed to, right? There's that joke, um, man makes plans and God laughs, right? So we, <laughs> we have this this road mapped out, but it's been mapped out for us somewhere by someone or some higher power. And we just have to go with it and realize that it's not a closed door. It's an open window. Oh, I love that DMC. That's so beautiful. Yay. Gratitude. Let's do this. <laughs> Thank you. And I'm grateful that you reached out and uh, I feel very honored that you had me on your show. Thank you, love. And so this has been the Heart Centered Selling Academy podcast. You can join, uh, go to my page or go to my private group, The Selling Heart, to learn more about how, if you are a heart-centered entrepreneur, how to actually close sales and run a successful business while keeping true to your own values. I appreciate y'all so much, and we'll see y'all soon.